Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three. It starts out by addressing perilous times. Perilous times. As we read through the description that the Apostle Paul gives right here, you would think that it's talking about 2021. It's very descriptive. It's very appropriate for the time in which we're living. Now, Paul is writing this letter to a young minister. And Paul is writing this letter as an encouragement to Timothy. He's telling Timothy some of what he should expect in the ministry. He's telling Timothy some of what is going to lie ahead of him. He's actually instructing Timothy and he's saying, Timothy, don't be surprised at what you're going to experience. Timothy, don't lose heart. And Timothy, don't give up. We had a minister that visited with us for many, many years, Elder Sonny Piles, great minister, uh, went to be with the Lord within the last year or so. And a young man came to him and was uh, new and pastoring the church and had been recently ordained. And all of a sudden he realized that lots of folks in the church had lots of problems. And he was sharing with Elder Piles, the older minister, all of the challenges and all of the difficulties that he had come into. And Elder Powell's responded by saying, well, what did you expect? So Paul is instructing Timothy right here. And he says, Timothy, I'm going to give you some indication of what you should expect. And so you can go through and read first and second Timothy. Really, really great instruction. As it describes this state that he was saying that Timothy would experience, it also in Titus talks about in chapter 3, he says, For we ourselves were also sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So as we read through this list, you may even consider as you look at this list that he describes as perilous times, you may say some of those descriptions describe me or who I was at one point in time in my life. Titus says, and such were some of you, not still, but were. So let's look at it. I don't want to focus on the 
perilous times. I want to read through and, and see how Paul describes it right here and see if we can relate to it. But I would say it's even more important in what Paul instructs Timothy to instruct the other folks as to how to live in perilous times. We're in perilous times, but this is not a new thing. There have been perilous times in the past. Now, Paul describes it and he says, this is one description of the last days. So I think that we should at least consider that it may be that we are living truly in the last days. As we mentioned a while back, Elder David Powell said, he said, I wouldn't pick any other age to live in than the one I'm living in right now. First of all, because God's sovereign in that. But secondly, he said, I truly believe that I just might see the return of the Lord. So, Brother Roy, you may not even see death itself. You may see the Lord coming back. You sure might. And he says right here that here's a description of the last days. He says perilous times are a description of the last days. And he says, here it is. He said, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Folks don't seem to have a problem with self-esteem. They love themselves. He says, men shall be lovers of their own selves. Men will be covetous, boasters, proud. Boy, doesn't that sound like it's describing the time in which we're living? Blasphemers. Another one. It's interesting. This is out of Isaiah. But another one is disobedient to parents. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent means out of control, fierce, despisers of those that are good. I mean, you don't have to look too far in the newspapers in the news, on the internet, and almost all of these descriptions are emphasized not on an occasional basis, but on a regular daily basis. In fact, it seems like there's more bad news than there is good news. It ought to be that there's one place that we can come And here's some good news. And it ought to be in the house of the Lord. He says there are those that are traitors. They're heady. They're high minded. They're they're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Truly that describes the age in which we're living. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And he says, from such turn away. For of this sort, they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with divers lust. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge 
of the truth. Now that's interesting. But you know, I believe that it takes God's grace to believe in God's grace. It takes the working of the Holy Spirit in the life of an individual to change our life and to bless us with a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Otherwise, we may learn and learn and learn, but we're not going to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe in the truth, it's because the Holy Spirit has touched your life and blessed you with a heart that is receptive to the things of God that will feast upon the things of God. And it's because God has blessed and you've been quickened or made alive and given that second birth, that spiritual birth by the infusion of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God in your life. And then when you begin to hear about Jesus Christ, when you begin to read about Jesus Christ, when you begin to sing about Jesus Christ, it has a lodging place in your heart because you have spiritual life on the inside. Without spiritual life, you may learn and learn and learn, but you're not going to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you experience the love of Christ in your heart right now, it's because you have the Spirit of God in your heart. And that is an evidence that you are a child of the King. It is. All right, look at what he says. He gives three things here that I see. There may be more, but there's three that right here that that we'll see. He says, now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, these were magicians for Pharaoh, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Reprobate. These are folks that have been given over to themselves. That's a, that, that's, that's a bad place to be. That's a bad place to be when you're given over to yourself. It's a blessing when God deals with us. It's a blessing when we go astray that God gets our attention and he redirects us. And sometimes it's not real pleasant. Sometimes the journey back to the Lord is a little bit difficult and it's a little bit hard. But it's a blessing that God loves us enough that he deals with us. But here's an individual or individuals that had been given over to a reprobate mind, a mind void of seeking God or pursuing the Lord. They shall proceed, but they shall proceed no further for their follies shall be made manifest unto all men as theirs also was. And then here's the first one that I think it, it's sort of, it's sort of the first part of chapter three is, is kind of discouraging. It's describing the times It's describing the day in which we're living right now. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get just a little bit discouraged when I look and hear and see. And it's a little bit discouraging. But God would not have you or I to be discouraged. He wouldn't. And so there's some things here that will encourage us in the midst of perilous times. And so if you acknowledge that you're experiencing perilous times right now, 
Here's at least three things that will encourage you in the midst of perilous times. We may be living in the last days. We are living in perilous times. And Paul says in verse 13, he says, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. What does that mean? As Brother Pope would say, they just get worser and worser. That was his description. They're not going to get better. They're not going to improve. Evil men and seducers wax worse and worse. He said, deceiving and being deceived. So we shouldn't be surprised when things don't maybe get better the way we think they ought to get better. But in the midst of the perilous times, there's three things here. This is not the only three things, but there's three things here that Paul sort of alludes to, to encourage Timothy in these perilous times. Now, perilous times affect all of us. I hope there's some young Timothys here. I hope there's some young men that will preach the gospel. But these lessons right here are for all of us to benefit from. Whether we're a minister of the gospel or not, it's for parents It's for children. It's for all of us. So here's what Paul says. The first one. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. Paul is saying to Timothy, Paul, the older minister, to Timothy, the younger minister, he's saying, you've known me. You've known my commitment. You've known my purpose in life. And I want you to think back upon that. When you face some difficult and struggling and perilous times in your life, then I want you to think back upon that. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 goes through and you can go home and read this. It goes through a tremendous list of examples of those that are faithful in serving God. And those those folks are given there. The examples of their faithfulness are given as an encouragement for us. We're supposed to go back and we're supposed to look at the faith of Moses and of Abraham and of Paul and of Sarah and all of those faithful individuals, many in in Hebrews chapter 11. and, And we're supposed to be encouraged by their faithfulness. But in addition to that, God gives us faithful individuals in our lives that we can go back and look upon. And it helps us a whole lot in perilous times. If we've been blessed with a faithful brother, David, you've got a great heritage with your granddad and grandmother that 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 were so steadfast in serving the Lord. That's what he's talking about right here. He says there are folks that you can go back and you can glean strength from. Maybe they're still here or maybe they're with the Lord. But you can go back and look at their life and the example that they were and the impact that they made upon you. Brother Danny has mentioned several times the impact that uh, this gentleman that his mom mentioned passed away. The impact that he made, uh, Captain uh, Jim uh, McMahon. It made an impact in his life. And that's what Paul is saying right here. He says there are people in your life that you can look at And he says, Paul says, I hope I'm one of them. So not only is the lesson for us to look around among us for a faithful grandfather, a faithful grandmother or a faithful parent 
or a faithful brother and sister in the church or a godly friend that is an encouragement to you to help you in perilous times. But also it should instruct us right here to want to be that type of example. We ought to want to be like Paul. That Paul is saying, I hope that my life is an encouragement to you. So when you face perilous times, Timothy, you'll be able to think back and be encouraged. Now, I was blessed to have three fathers in the ministry. Most ministers are blessed if they have one. I think the Lord knew it took three for me. But I was blessed with three fathers in the ministry. And they went home to be with the Lord. Several of them at an early age. But oftentimes I'll think back when I face a situation and I'll think to myself, what would Brother George have done? And I run it through my mind and pretty soon I know what he would have done. So the first example right here is that we can get strength and encouragement by those that God The faithful witnesses that God has blessed us to come in contact with in our life. But in addition to that, we ought to pray that God would bless us to be a faithful witness while we're here. And that our testimony would continue on after we're gone. We ought to pray that. And then the second thing. Paul says, Timothy, we're in perilous times. But he said, Timothy... He talks about the persecutions in chapter in verse 11, the persecutions, the afflictions that came unto him, the persecutions that he endured. He says, and this should encourage us, but he says, but out of them all. The Lord delivered me. Paul tells a little bit more about it in second Corinthians chapter 11. He says, I was beaten with stripes above measure. He said, I was in prison frequently. He said, I was close to death. He said, I was beaten with a rod. He says, I was stoned. He says, I suffered shipwreck a night and a day. I've been in the deep. He says, in journeys often, in perils, in waters, in perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often. He said, I experienced hunger. I experienced thirst. He said, I experienced cold. I experienced uh, nakedness. And he says, and besides all those things, he said, it was added to me the care of the churches. And Paul says, I've had a I've had a pretty difficult time, but he says and he says this in verse 11, but he says out of them all, he says, the Lord delivered me. So you take your list of challenging times and you compare them to the Apostle Paul's. It probably make it look pretty small compared to what Paul experienced. When we have a challenging time, when we have a difficult time, it's, the, it's usually the biggest one in the world. It really is. I mean, our time, when we have a difficult time, uh, I'm talking about myself, maybe not you, it's just the worst there is in the world. 
But if we compare it to the Apostle Paul, we'll see that ours are pretty small compared to what Paul's were. But Paul said, out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Now, if the Lord's delivered us out of them all up to this point, don't you think that God's going to deliver us going forward? We may be in perilous times. Some of our religious liberties may be challenged. They may be. But don't you think that God, who's delivered us up to this point, will be with us and deliver us? So out of them all, Paul says, the Lord has delivered me. That's the second one that we'd mention. And then the third one. Verse 14. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Okay, this charge is to parents and grandparents. Paul starts out chapter one of the second epistle. And he says, he starts out and he says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that means the pure, holy faith that is in thee. Paul says, Timothy, I recognize something about you. When Brother Luke spoke and shared his testimony, he shared and exhorted us in the Lord. I recognize something about him. Lord had touched his heart. Yet, Paul's saying to Timothy, I recognize that you have something, Timothy. And he says, what you have, he says, Timothy, I go back and I remember that I knew your mother. And she had it too. And he says, Timothy, I knew your grandmother. And she had it as well. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which first dwelt in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, he says, And Timothy, I'm persuaded it's in you also. He says, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Paul says, Timothy, don't be afraid, even though we're in perilous times. He says, God's not given us a spirit of fear. Do you know what? That's one of Satan's big tactics. And I tell you what, he's been he's been real active on it here lately. He really has. I, I wish that the, I wish that the secret was out and folks knew that that was a tactic of Satan fear because he sure he sure been playing that card. He really has. He says, God hadn't given you the spirit of fear, but God has given you the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. He says, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God is a God of purpose. He was a God of purpose in creating this earth. He's a God of purpose in saving our soul. He's a God of purpose in taking us on home to heaven. God is a God of purpose. 
And he says that he saved us in Christ before the world began. He says, Timothy, don't be afraid to be a partaker of the afflictions that you're going to experience in life. He's saying, Timothy, don't be surprised in the world you're in. There's difficult times, but don't be surprised. And then he says the third thing. He says, Timothy, continue in the things that you've learned. Some of the things that you were taught from your mother, from your grandmother. And and he says some of the things that he's taught. He says, be encouraged by that. And he says, Timothy, here's some of what you've been taught. That from a child, when is the appropriate time? Mike and Katie are getting really excited about uh, this new baby that's going to be coming. The appropriate time to start teaching the new baby is when they're a child. He says, and that from a child, Timothy, you've been exposed to the scriptures. He says, don't forget those scriptures. He says that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures. Wonder how he knew them. Timothy probably couldn't read that time. But he had somebody reading to him. He had a godly mother, godly father, a godly grandmother that read to him. I, I hope you heard Brother Bradley today. I tell you, one of the most profound statements that he made, it was, it was all really, really, really good. I'm glad that my connection didn't fade out when, he, when, this, uh, when this point was made. But he made the point that he says, one, if not the greatest, one of the greatest responsibilities of parents and grandparents is to teach the children and be able to answer their questions about the Lord. And when they ask why, that their parents are able to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. And when they question what's going on and why we do things the way we do, that a godly parent not only has a privilege, but the obligation to share and to teach that to the children. Paul says, Timothy, you heard these scriptures when you were young. And he says, don't forget them. He says, which were able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And then he just, he just wraps it up here. He says, by the way, he says, all scripture is given by the inspiration. That simply means God breathed. Now, there's just not many books that you can read that you may agree with. Everything that's written. But with the Bible, if we don't agree with it, it's not because the Bible's off. It's because we're off. Because the Bible is given to us by God. It's the inspired or God-breathed word. If, if we want to know how to get through these difficult, perilous times. And to do it and not be just overcome with despair. If we want to know how to face the challenges and difficulties of life. If we want to know the path for life and the pattern for life that God has for us, we're going to find it in God's word. This is his manual for us. I get every time the uh, daylight savings comes around. 
I have to pull the manual out on the car just to figure out how to change the time on the car. Done it many times, but for some reason I just can't remember how to do it. And probably I should read up on it a little ahead of time and then I might know. But really and truly, with God's Word, if we read it ahead of time, we'd know when challenges come how to respond to them. Because we'd have that instruction and that advice and counsel from God. He says all Scripture, and He says right here, here's the benefit of the Scripture. He says all Scripture is God-breathed, and it is profitable. What does that mean? It means it's beneficial. It means it's helpful. He says all Scripture is profitable, it's beneficial, it's profitable for doctrine. We're not to be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and by the slight of men. He says it's profitable for doctrine. There is truth and there is doctrine and it does make a difference. At least it does to the child of God. And he says right here that you're going to find the truth in God's word. You are. He says, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It is profitable, number one, for doctrine. It's also profitable for reproof, for correction. Those two are very much uh, the same, very much the same. It's amazing how that when we're reading God's word, as we're studying God's word, we're reading God's word. It's amazing how that it will address something that maybe we've been struggling with in our own life. And you think, wow, that's what God's word has to say about it. And it's amazing how that it also convicts us, the spirit convicts us to make the changes in our life to conform to what God's word is. So he says the scripture is beneficial for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We say we want to have a plain path. We're going to find it in God's word. We are. I remember one preacher used to say, God, the the Bible doesn't tell us how to change a flat tire, but it tells us what kind of attitude to keep while we're doing it. It does. He says all scriptures given by the inspiration of God. It's beneficial, it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God, this is the one that just sort of sums it up right here. As Paul Harvey would say, this is the rest of the story. That the man of God, well, if you have the spirit of God dwelling in your heart, it's talking about you. He says that the man of God may be perfect. We're not ever going to be completely perfect here in this life because we still have to struggle with this old Adam nature that we carry around with us. But we can certainly be on a path that pursues holiness and godliness as opposed to living like the world while we're in the world. He says that the man of God might be perfect. And he says, and thoroughly furnished. What does that mean? It just means fully equipped. That God's word fully equips us to be able to stand against the fiery darts of Satan. He says that we might be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. 
ought to be our desire. Not to do good works so that we can get to heaven. But to do good good works because we trust we're heaven bound. That the good works come out of what's on the inside. And it honors the Lord. In um, um, Ephesians, it talks about it in chapter 2. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And he says, and that's not of yourselves. Even your faith is a gift from God. He says, and your salvation, it's not of works. And he says, and here's why it's not. Because he says, if it were of works, he says, we would boast about it. But he says, we are his workmanship. He's the potter, we're the clay. We are his workmanship and we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So I think we don't have to look far to realize that we're living in perilous times and very likely it may be the last days. But in the midst of perilous times, there's at least three things here in this chapter that Paul gives us that should encourage us as we live in the middle of these perilous times. Number one, look for others, those examples of faith that are a source of encouragement to you. And then also try to be that example yourself. Number two, realize that no matter what you are facing or you might face, God has delivered you in the past. Just go back and think about the deliverances in the past that God has delivered you from. His mercies in Lamentations chapter 3 tell us that they're new every single day. I love to watch the sun come up. And almost every time that I see the... I I like to do it at the ocean because it's not interrupted by other stuff. And when I see it come up almost every time, that verse out of Lamentations comes to mind in chapter 3. That his mercies are new every day. Great is thy faithfulness not ours but his and then the last thing if you get discouraged go run to god's word because it's a source of encouragement for you now there's a whole lot of other things prayer uh, being in the house of the lord there's many other things that will encourage you in perilous times but there's at least three that the apostle paul emphasizes to timothy He says, Timothy, don't be surprised. Don't be overcome with discouragement. Be encouraged and you be an encouragement to others. So as we leave today, may God bless us to be encouraged. May we be victorious over the challenges of Satan, over the fiery darts that come our way. May we be encouraged as a faithful witness to others that we might come in contact with and be an an encourager to them. I pray that God would bless all of us to be encouragers. If you go back and look at that example of Aaron and her, they had some really, really important roles to fill in holding up the arms of Moses. Moses had the rod of God. And when he was fresh, the Israelites were victorious over the enemy. But his hands became weary and he began to get tired and his arms began to go down And when they didn't see the rod of God, the enemy began to be victorious over them. And Aaron and Hur came up on the scene and they got on each side of Moses and they had 
one holding up one arm and another one holding up this arm. And as soon as they held up the arms of Moses, the Israelites were victorious again. So I pray that God would bless all of us to be Aaron's and hers and encouragers of each other in the house of the Lord. May God bless you.